Filthy Fam, we're back. Yeah, we're back after how many months? Several. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just not going to talk about the length of time. But welcome back to Unpack Bills. I'm your host, E with a C. And I'm E with a K. Hi. And we've missed y'all so much. We really have. I mean, honestly, I feel like one, I'm just glad that you're back recording with me. This is very exciting for me. It's a very special episode, as the rest of our episodes will be very special episodes. Exactly, because we're here back on season three. Woohoo! But first and foremost, um, filthy fam, I am so sorry for ghosting. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what I do for my one night stands, and I did not mean to do it to y'all. Wow, you like set it and forget it, and you just used us, <laughs> used us for our bodies. And left. The good times kept rolling. Oh man, so yeah, you've been gone for a little bit. I I held it down for as long as I could, and then I was like, you know what? We can just all use a little reset, a little break. Uh, so yeah, tell us um, how how have you been? How are you? I'm okay, um, and that's probably the best I can do right now. Mm-hmm. So, real quick, I went through a breakup, like, heartbreak, on the floor, crying in the tub, like, letting the shower mix with my tears type of heartbreak. Um, I ended up moving from Boston to South Carolina, so I'm back where the accents are thick and the racism is in the air. Mm, just palpable with every step in the country. <laughs> every glance, I'm like, ugh, get that off of me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so we are separated at the moment, but um, I'm really happy for you that you um, have a little fresh start, and I'm just so glad that, you know, you're making it through slowly but surely, right? You know, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel but man it's far away right now (laughs) you know that's fine that's that's totally fine i think um man breakups suck i i went through a breakup the year before covid so yeah that's shit (laughs) i wish it on no one like actually i wish it on a couple people but like people i like i wish this on no one (laughs) oh my god it's like having open heart surgery and you don't get any anesthesia yeah it's basically like someone dies that's the closest I can get and you know what's really interesting is that I think the older that we get like letting people in and like having like these experiences like they just get tougher and tougher so I totally understand and I hope the filthies also understand and which I know they do because we talk about shit all the time. Don't we filthies? Just not a situation, I think. <laughs> and the trepidation in my voice is just really real because I'm like, I don't fucking know anymore. Like, <laughs> but I did filthies in the last episode. We did a two part series and I had um, my basically I call him my ex-boyfriend, but he's really just my best friend. And we finally met each other, like, a couple weeks ago. And that was awesome. So after, I want to say, like, 18 years, like, we finally met each other. Oh, my God. You're yeah. old enough to vote. 
Yeah, like, it, definitely. It's like we have, like, a child or something, but not really because I was too young. Oh, so that happened, and that was fun. We paraded around Boston, um, had brunch. Um, DJ, if you're listening, hey, love to have you. I will be your way soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to one of my favorite brunch places, and I was a little sad. Because it's amazing brunch. Like, I think about that French toast with Chantilly Lice whipped cream weekly. Yeah, the vibe in that place is really awesome. Like, Filthy's, honestly, now that the panorama has opened back up, which, by the way, I guess, like, the last time you were recording with me, we were still in the panorama, and now we're all kind of coming out of it. Like, people aren't wearing their mask anymore, really. In yeah, Boston. We're little prairie dogs like what's going on yeah so that was different but I just I was excited to experience the vibe of just being around people and everybody like was dressed and you could see every nice person's lipstick if they chose to wear it (laughs) great stuff I don't know like down here I'm still like rocking my mask my most necessary accessory because I don't know about y'all down here y'all look real unfamiliar and i don't know what you do i don't know if you got vaccinated i don't know if you like ever wore your mask or not like i went to charleston mm, about a month ago a month and a half ago Mm -hmm. and i was with this uh i was with boomerang actually and you know it's all crowded people are hovered together They're exploiting animals by going on those stupid carriage rides. And I'm like, oh, I need to be on a side street where there's no one else around because it's so crowded and I trust none of you. And he's like, what's the big deal? Everyone's getting vaccinated. I'm like, you don't know that. Yeah, I don't. I think it's really hard to trust people. I mean, even when it was like around the holidays and I went to go meet up with um, my situation. I need to give him a nickname, but <laughs> I think I know what it is, but I, I think yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, um, and we went, I told you, like we went out like downtown and there weren't people, there were people like without a mask and I was like highly uncomfortable. This is like pre vaccinations and stuff. And I was like, I have older parents, like, I'm just not trying to get them sick, like, I don't know, like, I just was, oh, I felt so weird about it, Um, and I was trying to have a good time, but I was like, I'm trying to be safe, but I feel so lame, that's the only thing with the pandemic, like, I know that it's, it was a weird time, like, no one expected it, but, like, I just felt so socially unprepared for the peer pressure of, like, everyone else says it's fine, but I know that it's not fine, (laughs) Oh, God, right. Right. Like, when I go to the pole studio, I wear my mask most of the time. Yeah. And, like, no one else is wearing their mask. And I'm like, well, fuck, everybody's, like, not wearing their mask. And, you know, um, I've gotten a couple hugs from people. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm shaking on the inside. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, everybody's acting like it's normal, and d- things are still not normal. We're still in a pandemic. There's a new variant coming up that they're talking about on the news, and I just think, like, if people aren't careful, we're going to have another set of lockdowns. I mean, yeah, what happened to India? I mean, honestly, that was, I mean, it's really bad over there. So, yeah, filthies. I mean, 
I, we kind of accidentally set it up for what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so that it wasn't an accident for sure. So, uh, yeah, so we've caught up a little bit. Um, so E with the C is living her best life down south in the sun. I'm up north. It's it's warm now, but I was cold for still up until a couple days ago. <laughs> like the sun just peeked out, and you're like, "Is that warmth? <laughs> is that warmth, madam? May I have another?" And she's like, "No, <laughs> get back. <laughs> get your winter coat out." <laughs> no, I I put up my winter clothes. It was great. I had a whole weekend of it actually. Great stuff. I feel like I had to have my winter clothes out all the time because you just never knew up there. Yeah, I actually still have my sweaters and things. So, I mean, I think it's best to be prepared, I've learned. <laughs> but yeah, we're very excited to be back, if you can't tell. But mm-hmm. should we get take a quick break before diving into our main topic? Yeah, so we just want to catch up with you guys. We're going to kick a little bit of a break. You're going to hear from our sponsor. Guess what? It's still Anchor, but we're still working on some interesting things coming up. So you just, you sit tight. Listen to our ad. Listen to, our, <laughs> listen to this track, bitch. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I just, I set it up. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm sorry. I can't stop laughing. Like, I expected it, and then it happened, and now I just can't stop laughing. (laughs) I do the thing that you want me to do all the time. Oh. Oh, God. But for real, listen to this ad. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch. All right, everyone. We're back, and happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Um, Or... If you're listening to this on Sunday, Monday, I hope you had a good Juneteenth and fucking remembered what it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope so. I think that um, last year we really drilled at home that is an important holiday. And I mean, I always had one friend who would celebrate Juneteenth every year for like the past 10 years on Facebook. And not a lot of people really got it until recently. Right. I wonder what happened to make people get it. Clear, like, I think we're all learning, and I think it's uh, fine that we do that and continue to do that. I hope that everyone celebrated appropriately and reflected, um, especially with everything that's gone on and the like. Mm-hmm. Oh. Real quick before we dive into our main topic. Mm-hmm put out a request to the filthies if you've seen the show cruel summer and it actually does relate to our topic please dm me because i need to talk about this with someone all right so today can i talk about what we're going to talk about today yes what are we talking about today we're talking about gaslighting today and not just gaslighting like in a typical relationship sense but we're talking about gaslighting on the macro scale so how we're experiencing it systemically and that's why that show i just mentioned relates to it because it has it all up and through those episodes and i want to talk about it with someone who's seen it i might give it a try and listen to or watch it please do (laughs) have a discussion off pod but on pod we're going to be talking about how you and i have experienced gaslighting 
and why it's important to talk about and what we're going to do about it. Exactly. So in true Unpacked Filth style, we're going to go back and then move forward. But this season, we want to do it a little differently and break it up into digestible sections for you guys. So um, the first part of the section is we're going to call it the unpacking. And this part of the episode is where we kind of set up our thoughts and feelings and kind of uh, move into the second part of that unpacking, which is how it relates to the news or history, which you pretty much thought you pretty much brought that up as far as Cruel Summer. Um, But the first thing I want to explain is what exactly is gaslighting um, just in general, and then we can kind of break it down so our viewers can follow us. Um, as we unpack this topic mm-hmm. so uh, if you guys have heard us on the show we talk about gaslighting quite a bit with relationships gaslighting is the manipulation and psychology uh, into someone that you're interacting with or in this case the macro making you question your own sanity your reality and questioning your judgment And so what that does to a person, especially if you are experiencing some type of trauma or triggering event or even just um, recalling a situation, and you're trying to either explain your feelings or explain what happened or explain how it relates to you, and the person or the system that gaslights you makes you feel inferior, dumb, or invalid in many ways so i just want to make sure that everyone understands what we're talking about when we say um gaslighting because it actually i think it comes from a movie term actually yeah it actually is a movie i can't remember the date i want to say the actress in it was barbara stanwyck but it's either in the 40s or 50s the movie itself was called gaslight and it's a woman whose partner is making her question her reality and it's based off of the term is based off of the lights in the film. They were powered by gas. I don't remember like the full extent of the movie, but I'm like, I know those gas lights have something to do with it. Like the lights get dimmer and it makes her question everything. I can't actually recommend the movie to you, but that's where we get the term. And setting up this next part. Um, I kind of want you to go into explaining your um, drive for this topic because it was something that you were really passionate about. And if you can unpack maybe a situation or where you first felt gaslit in relation to this topic. Okay. Which I'm very excited to talk about this, if you can't tell by how I need to talk about a TV show before we got into it. But... (laughs) While we were on our hiatus, I was actually a part of a community call, like a group community. Number one, I'm in this one community called A Stripper's Guide to Growth. It's a year-long program um, with Lila. And you can find her on Instagram, Lila Vision. And we'll link her in the show, show notes along with our second person that I will talk about very soon. But... um. At the time that I started taking workshops with her, I was in this high-stress job where I was working 12 hours a day with an employer who was kind of telling me that, 
you know, basically what I was doing for work was all I should ever concentrate on. I should be on call all the time. And I don't work for a hospital or anything like that. I work in real estate. It's the dumbest, most unnecessary industry that we have right now. Not that housing isn't dumb. It's not. It's a basic human right. But by being in real estate, it commodifies it and it, like, fucks everyone up. That's a whole separate thing, though. But anyway. So, I'm also in another group of hers called The Stripper's Guide to Boundaries. And in that, we've talked about gaslighting on the macro scale. And, you know, what you could, how you can recognize gaslighting, what the patterns Mm -hmm. are, which we're Mm going to discuss even further in this episode, but she really got me to thinking about how I've experienced gaslighting historically. And she's also um, hosting a workshop week. It starts next Monday. If you want to go over there again and check it out again, we're going to link her in the show notes. And she's really changed my perspective. Uh, As we go through the episode, I'll be able to talk about how I've come up with strategies after the gaslighting of the workplace. Um, My second inspiration is another Instagram account called Herspective. Evelyn, who I introduced you to, and if you watch my stories on Instagram, I post her shit all the time, but she talks about intersectional feminism, how she is a radical intersectional feminist And how we are living in a very unsafe world for people of color, for queer people, for anyone who's in marginalized groups. And how we've been taught to think that we're living in something that's actually very normal when, in fact, it's very unsafe, not normal, and goes against all of our instincts as human beings. Like, we're supposed to love and protect each other, and instead we live in this exploitative, dangerous society where we are supposed to defer to white, cis, male voices. And if you're a feminist, then you're supposed to defer to, like, white women and their white tears. So I really want to talk about how we've both been affected by this and how we're trying to combat it. As for a time that I've been gaslit, like I mentioned my office, we've talked about work culture and how capitalism gaslights us all. But in friendships, I recently um, went to, as I said, I went to go see Boomerang. During one of our conversations, I told him, it's not enough for you as a white man to be not racist. Um, you have to be actively anti-racist. And he then proceeded to talk about affirmative action with me and how it's like this detriment to the country and how it boils everything down to race and like what we need to do to solve racism, which just felt like this weird reality to me of, oh, a white man's going to tell me how to solve racism. And he really thinks he's right. And none of what I said really matters. And after that visit, he then told me that I changed and I'm different, even though I've always been a fucking pain in the ass about this shit. 
So anyway, that's why we're here now. You just said a lot <laughs> that I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And it really brings it home because with this micro gaslighting, I, I really think that the issue here is when we're encountering the, um, the situations that make people unsafe or in this case, like question your reality, question your understanding of history and how it impacts you on a daily level. It really makes you forget that if you speak up for yourself or if you speak up for um, a situation that you're encountering, it doesn't mean that you're talking against someone or against a, another group. It's you sticking up for what's right a lot of the time. Sometimes it's your own perspective and we can maybe dive into that a little bit. But I really like what you said about questioning your instincts and like the instinct of, you know, I know that this is happening and I am able and should be able to say my piece without being threatened or um, or punished in any way. Does that make sense? It does. Um, in that example I talked about earlier, you're right. It was like he was trying to dole out a punishment of, well, since you're speaking out about this thing, I don't really want to hear about. The punishment for you is we're no longer friends. Yeah. And you said that, and I remember you being really upset about it. Because one, you, like you said, have always been this, one, feminist. Uh, you've always been that. You've always been um, someone who speaks up about stuff that I even don't have a lot of background knowledge on, especially with how racism impacts us and how it's just around us all the time. And I will say, like, as your friend... Even I was just like, well, for years, I was like, well, maybe is it that bad? And is she like, you know, being radical or, you know, the, these concepts that I've never heard before. But really what's happening, and I keep saying it on my personal social media, is like in generations before, we have been saying like, you know, we got to like change and we got to like make sure that the next generation doesn't have to suffer the way that we suffered. And it's becoming more and so clear, especially with the uprisings and things that happened last year, that we have to dismantle this. And it makes so many people uncomfortable because it questions like what we allow historically and what we continue to allow. I mean, there's so much stuff that was in the media where people had such a visceral reaction to um, in terms of like including um, LGBT people um, taking Dr. Seuss out like all these things that have happened on the micro level or macro level rather and it just goes into this topic and why we're speaking about this because it happens all the time and what happens is that society is so conditioned to accept these things that when you call them out people call you crazy <laughs> the other part of it too is when you confront people with, like, this is the reality that you are placing onto me is a reality that's harmful to me and minimizes my experiences, and that needs to change. Not only are they seeing it as a, an attack on their character, 
but they don't know what the after necessarily looks like because they're comfortable in the now. Yeah, that's very true. It's it's almost like what you said with perspective, right? She posted a video and I usually agree with everything that she says to a point um, so far because I've only been following her for a short while. But she said this really interesting thing about how queerness needs to be the norm and um, heterosexuality like doesn't work. Do you remember her video on that? Oh, I definitely remember that. And so, and again, this is unpacked Phil, so we're just unpacking like what that means. So if, if what she was saying was if queerness is the norm, that means that anything that we consider now quote unquote normal is automatically going to be safe. And what she's saying is that queer people have to also be safe. So that's why we have to defer to people in the LGBT community as to what is normal. And um, and a lot of people don't like that, especially within the Black community, I'm sure, if people heard that, they'd be like, you want to make you know Black men gay, which is not true, and we can unpack that on another episode. And I think that with with statements like that, that's completely anti everything that we have going on as far as like heteronormativity, right? Um, right. Did I have anything with like what she was saying? Because that's how I took it. In a lot of her videos when she talks about like how queerness should be the norm and how feminism should be the norm, the other point that she makes is not only should it be the norm, but it should also be deferred to. In that deference, we need to give these ideas power and respect them. Because we, in living in America especially, we give heterosexuality and the patriarchy power and respect. And we need to do the same for these for feminism, for intersectional feminism especially, and for queerness. How do we give um, patriarchy power and respect and feminist and um, not feminism, but how do we give these systems respect? I can think of a few examples if people are still not following. Well, I think it I think on a macro level, especially. So I can think of ways that we automatically defer to patriarchy and heteronormativity, especially in history. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like thinking about the way things were, but I mean like as we learn about history in our schools, we lionize the founders, we lionize these colonizers, and we look up to these men, particularly white men, as innovators, inventors, instead of talking about the real violence and the real degradation that they placed onto women and communities of color in these stories. Does that make sense? In what you said, I want to just reaffirm that with saying... The violent, so in this colonization of the Western world, people have to for, 
well, I don't think if people realize, and it's like we were saying and what, what triggered our podcast is we don't realize how things actually had to come to be. So if we break that down and saying, well, you know, colonizers caused harm, they came over, had to uproot and destroy what was already in place, which is why when my perspective of we have to completely burn this shit down, like completely dismantle it, get rid of it. Like we have to reverse engineer this colonizing behavior, in my opinion, in order for real change to happen. And because that is what they did. They took already existing societies, their traditions, their normativity, and said, nope, our shit is the new shit and your stuff is no longer valid. And so that's why, like, we can't even conceptualize a world without patriarchy because, like, they completely dismantled whatever was in place before. An example that I I see all the time, especially with these progressive movements, is when women are expected to have children, okay? Um we are also expected to be productive work members in capitalism. Therefore, one of the things that that conservative right-wing people will say in one in one breath, <laughs> you should not have abortions, you should make sure that you are a um a wife, like you shouldn't have um extramarital activities or even have um, children out of wedlock. And then when we have said children and we say, well, we need a structure and a system in place to where we can care for our children because you're expecting me to do all these things compounded with the fact that I am also expected to do child rearing. And the patriarchy says the system in place says, well, we shouldn't have to pay for more than eight weeks of maternity leave or whatever it is. I think it's eight weeks, um, six weeks in some places. Um, and so when we're saying, you know, these, this is, this is what we need in the, our instinct. And we're going to bring it back to that. Our instinct is to say, no, I, I had these children and everyone has their own volition as, as to what they want to do with their lives. But you can't in one breath say, have babies, have babies, also work, 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 but then don't have anything to support that ideology. Further, um, one example of gaslighting is when these white men say, well, no one told you to have kids and you're crazy for having these demands and in in this want of a better life. It's not all just like conservatives. We have people like on the left who don't necessarily come out and say like, oh, well, if you, you know, I don't think, I don't believe in abortion and you should have um, children outside or in marriage and you shouldn't ever participate in extramarital, premarital sex. Good Lord. <clears throat> They're not going to say it outright, but through their policies and through them not advocating for things like universal childcare or longer maternity leave, or increasing wages for women, especially with the idea that the women is the woman is the primary caretaker. And this is we're talking in terms of like heteronormative relationships. Uh-huh. But 
not giving um, higher wages to these primary caretakers. They are basically saying the same things as these conservative people are saying, but through their fucking policies. And if that isn't a form of gaslighting, I don't know what I'm experiencing other than my brain fucking breaking. I agree. I mean, even if we go further breaking down, because have you heard this whole critical race theory thing that's happening in the media? How it, uh, they're, they're not teaching it in school? Yes. Oh, God. I just want to slap everyone away. Children should be learning this because then you get crappy adults like Ben Shapiro and Alex Jones and Sean Hannity and Tommy Tammy teriyaki lasagna honestly anyway we're we can't get on a tangent about um tabitha anyway (laughs) 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 um these these situations of macro gaslighting in your everyday uh work life in your social interactions i mean you kind of broke down one um, where you had with Boomerang. And I mean, I thought when we were uh, talking about this topic is another way of gaslighting is um, the whataboutisms, the, the the scenarios of like, oh, well, if, you know, affirmative action is racist. And then we're going to bring it back to perspective again, because I mean, gosh, I mean, all day, every day examples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is when, is when um, the video of the the black girl saying, "If you're not black, don't call me sis." Oh God, yes. The amount of the amount of white women who like one, it was on TikTok. That's why I stay away from that toxic shit. I think TikTok is. I mean, I'm sure it's fun for some people, but it just perpetuates this this group of people i'm not going to say they're all gen z because obviously everybody is using the platform for various ways but it's like a a cyclical vacuum of fuckery and this is why and if you're not privy to her perspective i we really think you should follow her um just for like i mean just for just a new breakdown of how shit is happening uh but in perspective, in her perspective, she posted a video from about a black girl who said, "If you're not black, don't call me sis." And it was just like that. It was a boundary for this particular black girl. Now, me, I personally don't think too much about it, and I don't really think too much about a whole lot of stuff in terms of like colloquialisms and shit like that. But for this girl, it was important to say. And what happened was in that girl's video comment she was saying or people were telling her um why are you so hateful sis you know saying one calling her the thing that she said don't call her if you're not in her community Mm -hmm. um and then two saying that she's hateful because she's somehow excluding and this is one thing i want to talk about in this episode of culture which is white people usually men usually want marginalized people to include them when we are talking about our individual rights or how to respect our culture inherently. What the fuck is up with this inclusion shit? Like, we 
we don't have to include you in our traditions. That is that is the main thing. We want to be included and everyone should be included in workspaces and feel safe. But me not inviting you to the cookout is what we say in the black community mm-hmm. is excluding you. <laughs> it's saying that you're not understanding of our culture and therefore we don't have to invite you into the space of like what we do traditionally like we can but it's not it's not like we have to and I will give the example of um for example in in multiple cultures uh you have traditions say like temple services if they invite you to a temple service for a religion and and it's really free for anyone to come. But if they invite you and they say, you come sit with us, you have to follow the rules of that culture. And so what happens in this particular instance is she's saying that like, it's broad. So not every black person thinks this way. I can understand the perspective, but this is what I'm thinking. If, if you are friends with a black person and they allow you to call you sis, that is for you and that black person. It's not for every black person. It's not for you to like go and, you know, assume that you're just invited into these cultural spaces. And I think that's the difference. And we should have nuances that are respected within every culture. So if it's not physically harming you or like causing you psychological pain to not call someone sis, then that's the difference between like including you in, in our cultural spaces. And then what we talk about normally is, is um, the, the inclusion that actually matters, which is giving people resources, equal access, things like that. Like you not, you calling someone sis <laughs> and, and saying like, please don't do that is not in exclusion. Mm-hmm. Am I right saying that? You are. And So I personally agree with that woman's boundary to be like, if you're not black, don't call me sis. Because I, what I see time and time again is mostly white people and, you know, Latinx people as well, co-opting like phrases from black culture or using AAV as a way to, you know, seem cool for lack of a better term. Hmm. And I think that might be another form, actually, I'm not going to even say I think that is another form of gaslighting to use something that has been culturally stigmatized against for black people to use and then use it as your own as a costume for your voice. So you are not like everything that you said is not wrong. <laughs> you and the fact that white people want to use it is like a form of exclusion when people are saying this is my hard boundary and I don't want you to cross it. I, just, I say this time and time again. Why do, we, why do we want to be included on everything? Like, not only do they want to be included in these, like, terms and everything, but they also want to be included on the fact that we, too, can be um, discriminated against and face oppression. Sometimes you, not even sometimes, a lot of the times you are the fucking problem and you don't need to be included on everything. I want to take it a step further by saying just because you experience some form of prejudice, prejudice is something that everybody experiences. We all have had a moment where somebody um, treated us 
differently or treated us wrong um, because of their preconceived notions about us. Okay, that's a universal thing. Systemic racism and systemic oppression is placing boundaries in front of people who otherwise are the same as everybody else, but are discriminated against because of their color, because of their background, their, you know, anything. Okay. Placing systemic issues, like we talked about with the women who decide to have children or people with vaginas. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to, you know, change my language. It's a, it's a battle sometimes, but um, here we go. Um, people who identify as women choosing to have children who can't have access to childcare um, resources, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so the gaslighting part of this specifically, and to just drive this home, is the fact that um, you're questioning whether somebody who, like, doesn't have resources to live a fair and healthy life in the society that we live in. It is not a detriment to you to say, I too have had mean things said about me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I too have felt bad because some person, you know, called me a cracker. Like, I mean, yes, that's terrible. And I, I try not to say cracker (laughs) but like in this last year I'm just like oh god anyway tangent tangent so do you see what I'm saying like the gaslighting is you saying like your everyday experience that hinders you from living an equal life is invalid because I sometimes get my feelings hurt Absolutely. And I will put this like in another context of a marginalized identity because for people who are for some reason listening to us and turned off by the idea that we're talking about white people, here's something for you that's not about white people, but instead about body image. White people like, well, mean things have happened to me too. It's the same as being a fat person in or not the same, but parallel to being a fat person in the society and talking about um, I have internalized fat phobia and these are my boundaries and this is what I do and don't do and what I don't want then society to do. And then, you know, women who are above a size 10 are like, well, I've had mean things said about me too. And I feel insecure as well. And the systemic problems that you're talking about surrounding your body is not really real because what you're talking about boils down to body image like no 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 when we are talking about societies that defer to thinness defer to whiteness defer to heteronormativity we are talking about a society that values these lives more and makes like you said these spaces more accessible safer affordable to continue their lives as safely as possible and as productively as possible these lives are allowed to thrive. Exactly. Um, in in that example of body image, because the thing about th- thinness, and I don't want to harp on it too long, but 
there's always going to be space made for a thin person to find, you know, their size clothing. Um, And if somebody wants, okay, so for example, if you take clothing to, you know, the tailor or you like casually mention like, oh, I got to take my clothes to be um, fitted. There's a lot more um, cultural scathing when someone's like, oh, I got to get these pants let out. But if you say something like, oh, I need to get this taken in, everyone's like, yay, you know, good for you. <laughs> right. And so, and if you, if you flip it on the head and say the inverse of like, oh, like I'm, you know, getting bigger, like it's just, it's a different energy. It's a different like response to, you know, making the world more accessible to fat persons. And so that's one thing. Ah, oh, man, that, that hit it on the head. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many instances of, like, macro gaslighting that we can get into. And then when we, like, boil it down to these examples, I can already feel people saying things like, you know, that's not that big of a deal, which is another form of gaslighting. But making them seem smaller than they actually are. And... They're really not. These like small, quote unquote, small instances that we're discussing and bringing up and like bumping up against in our everyday life, they are indicative of these larger problems. But people want to focus on like these singular instances and dismiss what we feel and dismiss our experiences as something that's not true. Yes. So with that being said, let's um, take a break and lead into the second segment, which is the filth. And this is to further bring home that last point that you just said is like this dismissive nature, right? And we need to talk about the larger impact. How does it impact us on a scale that is micro? So like we're talking about things that take place in the macro, but like how do we then move about the world? How do we internalize things and how damaging is it? And so we're going to talk about that in the next segment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Unpack Filth. And here we are back at again, bitches. Shake off the heaviness that you felt from the last segment. Roll your neck out. Take a couple of deep breaths because we're about to get back in it. Yeah, I, I really think that if you felt a little heated talking about things and thinking about this stuff, oh, it's about to get real fun. Real spicy. Getting filthy on you hoes. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of um, let's kind of humanize this a little bit more. I mean, we talk about each other um, and ourselves on, on Unpacked Filth, so I'm sure other people can possibly relate. But in terms of macro gaslighting, the main thing that we're focusing on is like what happens when your sanity is constantly questioned by individuals or you know or people that you interact with on a daily basis what does that do to like your mental health and really how you perceive yourself so I don't know if you want to talk about it first actually yes I'll I'll get into it first Because I kind of want to talk about the mental health of it all. And I don't know if I've ever disclosed this on the show or not. But I'll disclose it anyway because it's been a while. But I do have bipolar depression too. So I really don't want to take away from 
actual legitimate mental health and people who have that by saying like it's all gaslighting but i will say it gets worse with gaslighting so as someone who's like very empathetic who's very sensitive who can just feel like the intensity of everything all the time when i am in these situations particularly the one i was with when i was discussing like affirmative action and racism with boomerang i i can get very emotionally overwhelmed because i feel you know the hurt of my people puerto ricans of afro latinx people who are in my community and having to defend and discuss um, our point of view and having to break down what racism is to this person that the system has catered to their entire life. Like I can feel all that. And that alone makes me feel crazy because I know like we live in this world of like the facts over feelings, logic over emotions. And I get very emotional when I talk about these things because it's real lived in experience and the person in front of me discounts all of it because they feel they have the solution to this systemic issue and they more than likely do not have the answer. Are y'all shocked? (gasps) I'm sure you're shocked. (laughs) So what you're saying is they don't fucking know how to fix this? They do not, and they do not really fucking care. They have, like, patronizing solutions. Like, we just need to go in the inner cities and give it education, blah, 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 blah. No, that's, like, let's not white savior this. So, for me, like, that exacerbates the depression I already feel. Because I'm like, oh, my God, nobody's listening to me. And I feel so alone in this because I'm one person in front of an entire system. And what can I say? And I know there are, like, communities that I can have solidarity with. We'll get to our how do we cope with this later. But in those moments, I feel so alone. And, like, I am screaming at a brick wall that I just want to, like, crumble into nothing. Because that feels more productive than talking to this person about issues like racism or sexism. Yes. (sighs) I feel that. You are very um, emotive and... I think it's a gift that you are so in touch with your emotions. I think that if more people had that empathy, we would get further. But um, I'm quite the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) You choose violence. I, well, I do. Well, before I get to choosing violence, the one thing that I do want to point out is like, as a Black woman, There's a couple of things that I thought of when you brought this topic to me is like, I have this, this, um, I just recently came to grips with this and I've been talking about it in therapy a little bit, but like my default is to detach from things. Yes. One might say it's the Aquarian. I'm realizing that I had trauma responses to things that have happened to me, which have caused like the detachment to further and get more a part of my identity than it probably needs to be. But with that being said, when you brought this topic to me, I think as Black people, sometimes this is a blanket statement. Maybe not everybody feels this way, but like at some point we do have to detach because it is too much. 
And what I mean by that is like, we experienced like not only these, um, this macro gaslighting, this, we also experienced microaggressions amongst not only like workspaces, but our friends. I wasn't going to talk about this story, but because I don't want to get too off topic, but it's unpacked filth. So we'll just go there. I have this friend who is not in the black community, but is a person of color. And they pretty much heard the N word. <laughs> and they, for some reason, again, like people take our culture and kind of, they don't understand it and then try to make it applicable to their lives for some reason. But he, they were casually saying the N word around me. And I, I don't want to get too much into the thick of that whole, whole conflict, but I personally don't like using that word. I don't use it in my everyday, like, speech like I don't even think you've heard me say the n-word that much and if I do say it it's I'm joking Um, and that's like just part of our culture I guess and so I explained to this person that like you know you really can't say that word and especially like around me like just don't I don't like it and they thought it was funny for a short while to kind of continually casually say it And then said, well, I don't know why I can't say this word because other people say it and that is, you know, this whole exclusion thing. And so it, what really the root of it is it hurt my feelings that this person that was close to me kept violating my boundary and then trying to trivialize, again, the gaslighting of, well, it's not that big of a deal. Like other people say it, like, I don't understand why I can't use it really doubling down And so when it comes to like moving a bit about these spaces as a woman, one, like speaking up can be very um, intimidating anyway, especially when people don't take you as serious. And secondly, as a black person, like it's just constant, like, okay, if I react to every person who has these aggressions against me, m- even microaggressions, because I think that other example was kind of a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. I won't have any fucking friends that are white or like, you know, not, you know, not black because that's how I've been feeling, especially with this uprising of just like first came the detachment. Then I had to be like, well, this is actually a problem. And then when I confronted like my feelings about it, Like, you guys kind of saw me last year, especially when we were doing our lives. Like, I got checked out. Like, I was exhausted. And it was because, like, I feel like people's feelings, like, as we said, facts are not really feelings. But, like, there are real implications to you not giving a fuck about what harms people. You know what I mean? And not doing anything about it. And so, like, we're talking systemically. But... I'm just talking about the emotions that come with, well, when you experience these things on a micro or on a macro scale, it, those emotions become real. And so like, yes, I hear what you're saying where, you know, you're very emotive and I'm very detached, like off rip. But like, if I devote too much feeling into like fighting the good fight and the cause and like trying to get people to understand um, and like combating these people that say like it's not a big deal and like you're you're overreacting it it just compounds like feelings of just being invalid and like black people feel that a lot of just like our pain is not valid to 
people or it's always like, well, other people have it worse than you. There are country, you know, that, that whole, like everyone has in this world that we live in, it's a 21st century society. Like we're progressing, like we are better than just letting stuff continue. Like we can actually do something about it. More people are connected with social media. There are more ways to get in, gain access to information via the internet like there's just so many different ways and to say like well everybody's suffering like yeah that's true but you know we don't necessarily have to we can we can minimize suffering yeah i mean we had a whole come to jesus moment with this pandemic and everything being locked down and we could have chosen to do better but instead it feels like we're going at breakneck speeds to go back to being the same. And I want to come back really quick to your point about, um, you know, kind of detaching. And I agree. I personally agree that that would be a good strategy for someone. If you think about what's at, what's happening all the time, it'll be too much. You have to protect yourself. Well, I'm saying with me being like emotional, not just like in the way that I respond, but like people use that as a way to dismiss what I'm saying because I am so emotional. Like, oh, obviously, like you're hysterical. Like that's the go to word for femmes. Like they're being hysterical and they don't really know what they're saying and their emotions are coloring what they're saying by making it more than what it actually is. I will bring that example back to um, in media, like, you know, like where you're watching like action movies these days and now they look so real. Like if someone is murdered, like they make it as fucking real as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I remember like you were like, I don't know, there was like some violence on film and like you had like a normal human reaction of just like, oh my gosh, like that's terrible or like I can't watch this, like I'm uncomfortable. And have you noticed in general, not everybody obviously, but in general, a lot more people are okay with seeing like violence. And so there's like a desensitization with with that point. And nothing has really changed or people can still watch that. Like I've never watched a video. I don't need to see what happens to know that what people are saying is happening. Yes. And I don't want to get too long, but it's just like, like I, I can't see another video of a black person being killed. I can't do it. Um, when it happens, the bottom line for me is that there has to be another way we do not have to resort to more gun violence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and with that being said, like this whole like circulation of the videos and then what happens, and this is like a really big point of the micro macro, I get it confused. So the macro gaslighting is like these events will happen, like these murders will happen, right? And the videos like circulate and there's discussion and there's like, you know, it's like this whole big thing. It's broken down in the media. And then like with people who disagree, because sometimes it's not always white people. I've seen I've seen a lot. <laughs> Let me tell yeah. you. But people who disagree, um, they want to examine it. And like it's 
it's just like it's so desensitized from like this was a person who like ultimately didn't deserve to die and so what ends up happening these conversations and that end up in a, in a lot of ways, like, we're trying to get to the root of what happened. I get that. Fair in some capacity. But what also takes place is in examining these situations, a lot of times it's a, it's a cycle of dehumanizing the situation so you can digest it better. Like, I can't, I can't detach myself from watching this person get murdered anymore. Like, it's happening. It happened. This was a real life that was taken. And so when we like examine these things and like we say, well, it's really not that bad. This is why. Like, then we just become inhumane or, you know, I don't know if that's the word inhuman. Uh, inhuman and kind of like automatons. Yeah. Like androids. <laughs> to watch communities of color who internalize white supremacy and then enact it on other um, communities of color. They've bought into the gaslighting of if you become close enough to white privilege, soon you will be accepted as white and you will have the same access and protection always. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one person, because you know I get in comments and shit and be talking my shit. Um, one, I think it was a Latinx person who was in, in the cis example, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, well, they said, well, people call my father Poppy all the time. So Poppy is like what um, Latinx people say. It means father or, you know, you know what it means. I mean, talking mm-hmm. about you, E with a C. <laughs> <laughs> and so my point was, it's not the word, right? Like, if you don't mind someone calling your father Poppy, like, I think it's weird, but, like, if you don't mind it yourself, okay. But if you draw that boundary, then it's understood culturally. And so, like you said, it's hard to see, like, that, that to me, is a, a, is a form of internalized white supremacy where, like, white supremacy is this idea that if it deviates from whiteness, it's less important. And so if a part of whiteness also is like accepting things, like how white women are often told, like, get over it, dear. Like, you know, you're not being inclusive enough, not inclusive, but you're not being like nice enough to people. Like you just have to choose kindness. No, sometimes you don't have to choose kindness. Sometimes you can tell people what the fuck it is. And it's disrespectful a lot of the time. You see what I'm saying? And that's like internalization of like, we just have to accept bullshit all the time. I don't think capitalism would have it any other way. Yeah, because the filthies, if you're following with us, because we're kind of like going, we're jumping around, but making the same point. In order for this society to really function, you have to have some sort of like complacency And then you also have to, again, like, it works better for the society to dismiss issues. That's why, like, we have pushback in the education, like, when people are like, we shouldn't talk about slavery in schools, because it, like, it, what white people are saying now is it it makes us separate ourselves by our race. What do they say? It doesn't uh, allow people to be judged on their character. 
which no <laughs> like we need to talk about slavery or like whatever other like the trail of tears like all these these things that have happened to groups of people and and not like we said desensitize ourselves or not like invalidate like this experience that has ex- affected generations like all this shit is important to to keep alive and to talk about but when you're complacent and you're just like okay they said it's bad they demonize things like as good and bad but sometimes the fearlessness to call out this bullshit and study after study shows that ultimately by doing this and like making things more equitable for like black people and you know centering black liberation it's better for everyone if we stop and understand that like until the most marginalized people are free then then we're not really a free country we're not really this utopia of what people want us to believe is actually happening yes we're fortunate yes we can be grateful for the things that we have but those things come at a cost and the cost shouldn't be the dehumanization of other marginalized groups <sighs> let's um get it out of that and move into the next segment which we're gonna call the cleanup Woo! okay we got like so heavy so like let's like break it back to solution based <laughs> all right shake it off shake it off all right so the cleanup um so we talked about coping mechanisms so i will start by yes all these things are happening and there are ways to cope with it and how to respond when you're being gaslit. So these are um, some documented strategies that I found in my research. Yes. (laughs) So before we get to like how we, let's again revisit like what you want to do when it turns, when it comes to gaslighting is you want to recognize patterns. So In the macro scale, one way to protect yourself is to say, okay, is this actually happening or is this person trying to convince me that I'm crazy? Ask that question um, because you'll notice that if you ask this question, you you come to the conclusion that you are being gaslit. Um, one thing you can notice is that people will use key phrases, like how we said, like, it's not that big of a deal, or, you know, the whataboutisms, those types of things that, um, that do, like we said, the damage. And also the trivialization part of it is really what is the catalyst. Okay. Am I making sense? You're making sense. I'm with you. Okay. Another thing that people do when you're rec- when you need to recognize these patterns is the countering. So saying like, you know, you're mem- you're remembering this incorrect. Another one is withholding. So like we said, brushing off. Um, another one is diversion. So the flip. And I also would say that leveling is another way that people do this. So like, well, leveling is if you do something that's fucked up or like not like correct and I'll use this as an example like if someone says like well you know your attitude is really causing you know problems in the workplace 
And that person then flips it on you and says, well, you had an attitude last Tuesday. <laughs> and you're just like, well, what the fuck does that have to do with you and in, in your pattern of having an attitude? You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Another way of gaslighting is um, forgetting. So this person saying like, I, I don't remember that happening. And they possibly very well could not remember something happening. But if it's all the time you're bringing up a, a problem and they're like, I, I don't remember that happening. Like, you know, and it's, and it's a form of denial. Okay. Mm. Um, and then another and last thing that, that you should look for in the patterns is discreditment. Um, and then compounded with like a threat as well. So saying that, well, you don't know what you're talking about. I will leave, I'll use Dr. Fauci as an example when it came to the pandemic diseases and, and illnesses. Right. And he has been working in the white house for many years. And the first thing that, you know, that fucking asshat in the white house did was try to discredit this man. And that led to confusion that led to like mass, like derision of the whole situation. And people who took the pandemic seriously were often called crazy because this medical professional was like, discredited and and we weren't supposed to listen to him you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i absolutely do and that's how wearing masks became a political issue that people showed up to state capitals with um strapped with ak-47s never forget never forget because you have like the president saying one thing creating one reality for his stupid ass followers And then Dr. Fauci saying things that were, you know, were actual reality, like people are dying, that's what we need to do to prevent catching this infectious disease. And then the people who were like, oh, masks are our choice, tried to make us feel like we weren't living in the reality that we were actually living in. Yes. And notice that these people in specific to that example were trying to really make themselves feel better. They centered themselves instead of the collective, which is like the whole premise of this whole episode of like this macro gaslighting is centering an individual person or individual, like one group that has a lot of power. Mm -hmm. Just telling everybody else to fuck off. So in the response to gaslighting and recognizing those patterns that I just listed, um, you want to make sure you re- you evaluate yourself as well. Like what happens when someone or some some situation is gaslighting? Are you questioning yourself? We we mentioned a few like being sensitive and this is all like researchable things like you can look this shit up. You apologize frequently. You don't feel like yourself. You feel like you can't be heard and maybe you might um, avoid loved ones. So if you feel like that stuff is happening, you you should do it. I think you mentioned it earlier, E with the C, is refocus and take space. And so I'll pause and let me know if any of that resonates to your coping style. I mean, just the last one, really, like I um, kind of re- and claim my own space. Well, as I mentioned before, as someone who's very sensitive and, you know, what they call an empath, I had a very terrible 
sense of boundaries. I could not tell you what they are. I could not identify any that I need to make in my own life because I wanted to please other people. And I mentioned that I started joining communities and it'll be linked in the show notes, but it shifted my mindset of thinking about pleasing other people all the time and doing what's best for me and the collective in order to live a more fulfilling life. For me, the other side of gaslighting looks like, what do I want to see in my life? And sometimes you can figure that out on your own. I rely on a community to help me and to guide me through these circumstances. That's good. And one of the ways to cope is to involve others. So that was a, a, a point in the research that I did. And also, like, keep your self-talk positive. So even, I mean, we all have the possibility of being wrong about a situation. But what happens when you're being gaslit is that the manipulation typically is, like, you're a messed up individual. Or you are... are doing something bad. And sometimes we all are capable of doing something wrong or saying the wrong thing. But as long as you, I'm not going to say as long as your intentions are good, because sometimes your intentions are still harmful. But as long as is what the goal is, is positive in your life and in the lives that surround you, if that is the goal to like improve and really um, take into consideration, um, how the this might impact other people and yourself, then it's just something that you should think about and consider, really. Like there's really a lot of ways you can can look at how to how to cope and how to be um, true to yourself and and fair. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I will say that sometimes your brain will trick you into not thinking things that are affirming or positive or, something that will actually hold you in the reality that you are. And like you said, being with other people might hold that accountable if you're with people you trust and people who align with what you see. I agree. So, you know, accountability, you know, hold yourself accountable and then, you know, participate and be active in those communities. And, and remember like, Anytime there is an issue, it should always be a dialogue. It should, you know, anything that's, that is going to be not productive is going to be, like, combative. But as long as it's a dialogue, as long as you remain respectful, then, you know, you can move forward in, in trying to find solutions, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I know we don't have that much time, so I, I think we are going to wrap it up. If you guys really liked this episode, I mean, I really had a good vibe this episode. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for bringing this topic, E with a C. Oh, no worries. And I would love to continue this conversation with our listeners. We're going to post a question on Saturday asking what you thought of the episode and, you know, if you had anything to contribute. If you liked it, which I really think y'all will, you can subscribe share with your friends and check us out in a couple weeks for our next episode in our new season yes welcome to season three we're so glad to be back 
you know, as always, stay filthy. (laughs) And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.